0: Hey everyone, John here. I edit David's podcast and before we start this month's episode just wanted to let you know that there is a popping sound that you can hear throughout the entire episode. It kind of sounds like the pop you would hear coming from a record player. So if you can get past that noise that'd be great because it's a great show with a lot of good content. So apologies for the noise and enjoy the
1: show. Yeah. Are you allowed to curse on this? So, I don't have a problem with you cursing on this. I just, yeah. I don't know how clean we got to keep everything. So, it's funny. You, it's it's <laughs> seriously funny you asked
0: that because I was going to ask you, when is the last time? Do you remember like the day and time and like the year you last said a curse word?
1: Oh, shoot.
0: <laughs> there was no, your opportunity stay. to do it. It's
1: crazy, man. <laughs> like, nah, um, nah. Maybe when I was pledging? Pledging. Yeah, pledging my fraternity, maybe in '96.
0: You think that's the last time you swore? Was yeah. 20 years ago?
1: Maybe, if that. I mean, the 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 guys that came in after me, they call me Big Brother. Speak no evil, because I would say substitute things, but I would never curse. So, you know, I say freak that or that's bullshucks. You know, I would never. That's bullshucks. Yeah, I would never curse. Yeah, yeah, I got that from EPMD. Bullshucks. That's a bullshucks charge. Got, got to that listen. was an EPMD EPMD yes, like yes, line e- from a song. Yes, no See, way. Yes, man. Yes, it is. You All gotta right. listen to EPMD music, I'll take man. Take your word for it. Gotcha. Okay, Bullshit charge. Well, in that, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they said. <laughs> I would
0: like to welcome everyone to the uh, most recent. You know, we're in May, and I think we essentially skipped an April episode. So I guess it's the May 2016 episode of three and two and one. I'm your host, David Glanders. I'm here in my garage in Old Town Orange. Unfortunately, Ezra cannot be with us today because our guest this month for this episode... Has an allergy to dog hair.
1: Sorry about that. Yeah, this is a kryptonite to Superman. So I'm sorry. Can't be born perfect. So you're just rolling it out there now that you're Superman. Uh, you know, that's. I mean, that's what my wife. Called early man. That's a, That's a. That's a. That's an early shot, man. I'm just saying. That's what my wife called me. I. I mean, my I wife, wife called me that. And I, know, now, I, mean, I it, called man. you that. You know, because you actually look like Clark Kent. No, me. I do not. you uh, actually every time you call and text my phone, it's Clark Kent. Is it really? It still is. Yeah. Yeah. We call you Clark Kent.
0: No, you don't. Yeah.
1: This is. Big, you know, nice-looking, tall white guy calling Clark Kent. Yeah. (laughs) Why
0: why is white got to be a thing about
1: it? I mean, because you look like Superman. I'm going to be real now. I mean, let's be real. You are a white guy. You look like Clark Kent. Not too many brothers look like Clark Kent.
0: I'm glad you're pulling race into this early since that's (laughs) going to be one of the things we talk about this episode.
1: Hey, it's there. We can't ignore that. Like, it doesn't exist. It, It is this. Uh, yeah,
0: so <laughs> Lashawn and I, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. We're going to have three topics on the show today, uh, maybe we're, more. We're, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the work Lashawn and I have done uh, in our in our uh, commingling past around issues around poverty and oh, uh, homelessness. Not necessarily about the work we've done specifically, but kind of around the issues and stuff like that. And you know, we'll dabble, of course, and talk about our crossover with work and everything. Uh, we're going to talk about what it's like to be a Long Island born and bred. <laughs> Highly asthmatic, black man from a black college <laughs> in Orange County, California, and what that's like to make that move three thousand miles well, from your home base to here.
1: It's interesting for um, sure. But hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Just hold up. Okay. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then third and you, you seem like you I was know. passing me the baton no, 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 I was no, no, not yet no, you see this okay. is like, like if we're gonna do like a show together where we're like co-hosting you, you'll get those senses you know cause I'm thinking that's our future right now this okay. is, you know, potentially a show where we can do together
1: that could be fun that right?
0: could be fun social justice a little social advocacy no doubt
1: I wonder how long you'll last before kind of you throw show. me
0: out of here cause you know yeah. I'm gonna say some stuff you're not gonna like why would you do that? I mean, I'll just edit that shit out of my show.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean,
0: I mean, I hit the pause button now. You go on forever. You won't even know I'm over here.
1: The, hey, hey, you know? That, then that's you know? good. That's, yeah, yeah. then
0: that way you wouldn't have to throw me out. Yeah. Dude. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then finally, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> talk about this wonderful gentleman's faith and how that influences everyday life, and have that um, awesome showdown. No, it won't really be a showdown, but it'll be an atheist talking to a deeply uh, religious man. So <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be a good time. So hey, so. The question I ask all guests, the first question we always get to is, how do we know each other? Well, we work together.
1: You know, we um, met at, you know, Arbor Rest Care, you know, and you came in and you kind of set uh, a high bar for, you know, all the people that, you know, you were getting jobs. And it was good for me because before you. This is not about me. I'm just saying before you, there was no real competition for me. Oh, OK. Can, can you can you let me work that? You're going to ask me something. You're going to come on, man. Work right, with the kid. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I thought it was like, you know, I think we developed not only a, a healthy competition, but a healthy friendship because, um, yeah, you know, kind of has some ideologies about the work that we do, the field that we do, and I know that for sure, you know, I love this field, I love this line of work that we're in, and I know you love it, and so, you know, we may have some approaches, approaches that's different, we may see things philosophically a little different, but all in all, I know that you got a heart for the people, and I know that you perceive me to have a heart for the people, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, that's how we met, you know, talking to and sharing and kind of going at it as far as being competitive a little bit, so. a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Those were good times though. It was, it was, like I said, it was a healthy competition because I respect your work. Not only that, but I respected the impact that you had on the people, and I I, I think that you so, kind of share that sentiment about me. So,
0: so the folks at home understand what was the what what was the work we were doing, so that they understand the context of competition.
1: Well, basically, we were helping people get jobs. Right. Okay. Do you? I mean, I can go deeper if you want to. A but little bit wouldn't be bad. We facilitated workshops, and so um, I think based on the workshops, they were it gave us a chance within a set curriculum to really empower people, mm-hmm. and so um, because of that, it you know. I would, see, I would look in on a couple of your workshops and I would see the emotional impact that you had on people and you know I it, it, to me it rivaled mine from a standpoint that you know I looked at the impact that I, I could see that I had on people I, I know you came in in a few of my workshops and people were encouraged they were built up they were motivated we only had a week to do this so you're talking about years of you know people feeling about themselves in a certain way or looking at themselves a certain way but all of a sudden you know in that week you know, they come out looking at themselves differently. It wasn't that we changed everything about them, but at least they felt better about themselves and felt more empowered.
0: It's so it's 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 great that you bring that part up because that's the part that I had to struggle with for a long time. Was um, you don't want to get that god complex because yeah. you see how people change in a week. You see how much yeah. they how much you can move the needle in terms of their motivation in terms of what they're presenting. Yeah, but you have to like temper that with the reality that you know. Um, you might start that class on a Monday and they all hate you, <laughs> yeah. you know, or they don't want to be there cause are their social workers making them go. Exactly. And then by Thursday afternoon, you're planning the party for Friday and people are already like talking about all the hard work they're going to put in to get jobs. Yeah. And then the weekend comes and then next week you're disappointed when people start falling off and they're not doing what they're supposed to do and they're not actually getting the jobs. And you it's it's just like, it's part of the reality of the work, right?
1: Yeah. yeah I mean you know the old adage goes you can lead the horse to water but you can't make him drink right but at the same time uh one thing that you know I learned over years in the field and I think you you'll probably approach it the same way i don't take the failures of the people that we serve upon myself i think i learned that over time i think when i first got going in this field it was like you know what was wrong with me that the people weren't listening i right. think that's what that's what stopped me from quote unquote getting a god complex yeah I think that's what gets in the way of that when you look at the fact that you could tell the truth. I mean, you know, not to bring up my spiritual part, but, you know, I believe God. I believe in God and I believe that, you know, there's a lot that he teaches us and says to us, but we don't listen. It doesn't make him less God. It doesn't make you less David because people don't listen to what you said that was actually, you know, helpful. Yeah. Doesn't make me less Sean.
0: So I still look back at that work. Right. And I, and I look back at that actual time I spent doing the workshops with the participants and mm-hmm. it's still some of my favorite work I've ever done. Right. And I mean, I'm not, I'm at a place now where I'm a director at an agency. I manage a you know, staff of, you know, 20, 25 people plus interns, plus volunteers, everything else It's kind of much larger thing that Cute I'm doing. Well, right? since those days, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. But that is still like that. What you could see someone go through in a week yeah. even if they let you down at the end was still is still to to this day some of my favorite work I've ever done,
1: yeah for me that was the most rewarding part that was when I felt free to work yes, that's when I felt free to be me that's when I felt like you know we were having meaningful impact um uh, the part that frustrated me was when I guess the bureaucratic part got involved in it policy procedure in a, in a sense where I felt like people were not being I felt like what we were building was not being enforced later. Okay. And what I mean by that is the way that it was set up is you put the work in, you build the people up. um, And I'm not trying to sound like, you know, it's us building. I think what it is is that our role was to pull out of people what was already in them. Right. But then you turn them over into the hands of someone else who doesn't have that relationship. And so it gets more into, I guess, getting numbers, a numbers game. And people are being pushed into jobs or pushed into positions or pushed into directions that were not them. And it, uh, to me, it went contrary to the hard work that we were doing. And it's not to say because, I mean, I you know, the results were still in from a standpoint. You and sure. I both were helping people get jobs. But at the same time, it just felt like everything became about numbers and stats and statistics and trying to meet a quota because of, you know, and I, I get it because, you know, funding and money. But at the same time, I felt like it was at the expense of the people. And that, yeah. that you know, that bugs me. You know, I, I wish there was a way to effectively serve without bureaucracy getting in the way, without, you know, higher upper things getting in the way of that, you know, yeah. being the I, ultimate outlier.
0: I still think we did that that company. And our work was still important and instrumental for moving people along down a path. And I mean, people could could take advantage of it or not, and everyone has their own barriers for what happens and stuff like that. I think my larger point is that I have not experienced much in my career since then that has been as tangibly, Hmm. like, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it tangential? I don't know what the the fucking word is, whatever.
1: Tangible is a good word. But yeah, Yeah. that's
0: sort of like that feeling of like... You know, wow! I like I, I I really changed somebody's perspective on something. You know, which is powerful stuff, and that's but, what we were doing there. But what know? question?
1: I mean, my question for you is: I mean, it seemed like every position you took, you've elevated. Uh, when is the last time you really did? I guess boots on the ground work. I know this ain't about you, but I, yeah. I guess we are talking about the work we do. Yeah, I guess we're already jumping into. Yeah, that. I, I guess we haven't. I mean, I mean, you haven't done boots on the ground work for a minute. You know, you're kind of dealing with things at a 50,000 foot level. Right. Whereas when we were doing that, we were hands on, you know, we were the actual, you know, dealing face to face with the people and, you know, doing the work.
0: Right. And I mean, I still have to do some of that stuff for me. I mean, for for what I do, you know, I still yeah. have to deal with um I had to do it this week. I had to sit down with a client in a Damn. very problematic situation and talk about the potential for eviction and things like that. And it's not fun stuff. Now do
1: you get excited when you have those opportunities? I'm we'll not, not gonna do front that one. It does for not not so much not so much that you're excited about the situation, but I guess for me, like we had to deal with a, a, a like a client came in and she was highly emotional and dealing with a lot of stuff and I I had the opportunity to de-escalate a situation. Yeah. And it felt good. For sure. Because for, you know, the past three years, thanks to you, thank you, my friend, uh, the past (laughs) three years, I've been kind of... It's been more than three years, hasn't it? Yeah, a little little bit over three years. It's been... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, since 2013.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Early 2013, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: so for the past three years, it's been numbers and finances and budgets and, you know, setting procedures and policy and so to actually sit down with clients and actually, you know, encourage and build up, you know, help set a course, help set a set a direction to empower them in that way. I miss that, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't I, know if something wrong with me, but I miss that.
0: I think one of my biggest strengths is a pro- is as a problem solver. right? Exactly. So whether the problem is our agency and our work is not. Um, is not moving the needle in some particular area, or we're not meeting some objective as a, as a, as a unit, right? Like as a program, Mm -hmm. that's a problem I want to try to solve. Right. Absolutely. So as it say, you know, going back to kind of my previous work on countywide homelessness, if we're not doing that, like I want to figure out like what the problems are and solve them. Right. Right. And take that on. that's a whole nother soapbox well yeah it is but you can even (laughs) but you can even take that down i mean if you want to get granular right if you're working with a client and they're and you're having to intervene because they're having difficulty communicating with their case manager or they're having difficulty expressing what their goals are or they're just having difficulty progressing or there's behavior issues or whatever there is and like the director has to step in to like take care of it i'm still Mm -hmm. looking at it like I like solving problems Yeah, and this is a problem I want to solve. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so it's the same sort of, it's the same sort of feeling. I think what happens is with the client, it's that's when it's more tangible. And then you see how all the work you do cascades down to like, like now it's affected a person. Right. Right. And sometimes it's hard for us to see like with what we're doing all the time, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I could be wrong and you could correct me on this, but I kind of feel like I live through the case managers now, like when it comes to work or the line of work that we do, Like, I like seeing what they do. I love the impact on the families. I love the impact on the people.
0: I think that's actually a really good point. I, I think that sometimes for me, if I go to work, so this happened yesterday, so... One of my offices is at our shelter, and I hadn't been there really at all. I think I was there Monday, but I hadn't really been there at all this week because i had been in other places. I had Wednesday off because I turned forty
1: years old. Oh, happy belated birthday, my man! Thank you. Welcome to the club. Uh,
0: how's it feel? Right? It's uh, you know, it's pretty much the same as it was on Tuesday. You know, think so, right? it's Really no different.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, it actually, I think to me, it actually sounds cooler to say I'm forty than to say I'm thirty-nine. Did the
1: clouds part? The no, sunshine? Man, nothing. No, no, no shit happened like it that. Didn't happen yeah, for you know, me either.
0: No, it's like I woke up and I was forty. Forty. <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I, I, but I went down and I went yesterday and I I went to see some of my supervisors and I would close the door and I I just kind of wanted client highlights like what's going on, what problems can I help solve, what do we need to facilitate and like I still really enjoy those conversations and the conversation looks like our case manager or our advocate did this. It got to the supervisor level. Now the supervisor needs to talk to me about it or whatever. But those I'm still like I'm living that whole stretch. You know what I mean? And like, so to me, it's kind of like, well, I'm still getting my hands dirty a little bit, which I like, you know?
1: And that's where I'm at with it. Where I want to, and sometimes I get in, not in trouble with my director, but sometimes I have to be redirected, you know, to get back to what it is that I'm doing because it's like, I guess they want to separate you from the dirt. And sometimes I like to go play in the dirt a little bit. Yeah. I don't mind um, being available with the case managers to, to help them, you know, um, problem solve or refer to a resource or to, to help a client walk through a crisis or, you know, something yeah. that I, I, I love that. So.
0: See, I so for me, I have to separate that whole activist and want to be you know, an advocate and wanna like yeah. fight for these issues that I care a lot about, like mm-hmm. you know, domestic violence and homelessness. That's and major. Else. Right. So it's like I constantly want to be on the front line of working on those issues, right? But I mm-hmm. have to remember my role for that and what I'm really strong yeah. at is to create my, my, my ultimate like strength as a manager is I'm really I think I'm really adept at, at creating a strong team up and down, right? So yeah. That's making sure my supervisors aren't even getting their hands that dirty. So my hands should be really not very dirty, right? I yeah. should only get really difficult things to deal with, right? Yeah. And then my my supervisors should, you know, know what's going on with clients, but dealing with them in a limited fashion. And then our frontline workers should be the people that are really working with them. So like now I've and removed myself ideal. like a lot of levels, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, you were, uh, so it's like yeah. I have to
0: temper my activist side of me that's like pissed off and wants to like, you know, talk about this stuff and fight for people with you can do that, but you have to do it from the right kind of footing, you know.
1: Yeah. And that's I guess in my journey, that's something that I'm learning. I have to learn, I have to adapt to and, you know, in a sense I have to get over, you know, from a standpoint, you know, I've been doing that you know, I've been in this kind of work for almost twenty years. Right. And so yeah, you know, with with this session of the past three years, that's all I've done is frontline work. You right. know, so You know, kind of old habits are hard to break. You know, I hear problems. I'll automatically want to jump in and solve them with that. You know, but I'm learning uh, from a standpoint that that's no longer me. You know, that's no longer my role with the company. That's, in a sense, no longer my role in the the community. And so um, I've been called on different roles um, since I've been out into, you know, in various implementation groups and stuff like that. Uh, to try to deal with things from a macro level. you right. know. But so. you know
0: what one of the, the shitty truths of all of this is? Is that if you got bills to pay.
1: Yeah. You better adjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it.
0: It's really hard to pay those bills as a case manager. Yeah. It's really hard to pay those bills as a case manager. Oh, it is you a know?
1: blessing not being. Yeah. Totally get it. And, and so, nice.
0: you know, advancement. Yeah, it moves you further from from the frontline work, which is natural, but it also advances your paycheck, and that's a rea- that's just a reality you have to contend with, you know. And if it, you're cool not, with that, you're cool with that. And
1: not only that, but I mean, honestly, it, it, it's it's, a, it's it's a stretching because. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you get used to seeing yourself one way, but then all of a sudden, you know, people see in you more than what you saw in yourself. Yep. And sometimes you know what's there, but you're not ready to move. And somebody, it takes somebody in your life to kind of nudge you. I know you've always been a nudger for me. You know, and there are other people in my life, you know, right now, Jennifer, my current director, there are people that's nudging me. So it's like now I know I have to move and I, I'm I'm ready to move on to bigger, and better things and stuff like that and stretch But yeah, it's still that old dog, new trick type thing. I mean, that's what I I do with my own.
0: That's what I do with my own staff. I mean, it's look. I tell I tell them all the time. I said it's for my direct reports, the supervisor level, you know, folks, manager level. Yeah. You know, I tell them it's it's you you know, my job is to make you so good at your job that eventually you take my job or you take my job somewhere else. I don't (laughs) care if you take it to another agency. Yeah. Like you're going to advance your career, and that's best for you, and that's what I care about. But if I'm pushing you to get to that place, that means you're giving everything you have here. Exactly. We're just benefiting here all the time from your work. Exactly. Which is where we have to be, right? Yeah. My boss knows that what my goals are, my career goals are very distinct. It's very clearly articulated to her where what I plan to do from here. And so for her- So when you run for city council- Man, you always bring up the politics <laughs> thing. I'm never going to be a politician. <laughs> Because not you, I, cause, cause the anarchist, anarcho-atheist party guy will never win anything. So. We
1: need somebody who's going to shake some stuff up.
0: I, school board is one thing I could see myself running for.
1: <laughs> it's a start. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that, that would probably be my that's limit. I don't think I could do city. I wouldn't win city council not here.
1: We, we don't know. I mean, you know, you, you, you kind of got a name out there a little bit. I
0: yeah, mean, not, yeah. I mean, I know the mayor real well. I mean,
1: see, that, that's a start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I know the mayor. I mean, I was on the CDBG committee here. So, you know, maybe those things would help. No, but I, I would never, I would never, I mean, that politics are not what I want to do.
1: Okay. but my I, point I may is, not let it go, but go ahead. It's fine.
0: But my point is, is like, if you have a good boss, your boss should have a good idea of how to get the most out of you through whatever your career goals are. Because that'll, that'll be what drives you. That'll be what pushes you. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: So. That's interesting because I mean, like my current director, I think she she's very solid with that. Like you know, sometimes you know we have we bump heads, you know, um, professionally from a standpoint. And she gets on my case a little bit, but um, for the most part, you know, I I get what she's trying to get me to. I get where she's trying to take me. So um, there has to be a discipline about me. There has to be a change of mentality, and yeah, I'm I'm learning it because you, I can't carry myself in certain ways anymore that I used to. Sure. And, that that's becoming even an adjustment for me because you you know me I'm a goofball I, I like yeah, to you, from, you really are yeah I like to joke you know I'm very casual and some settings you can't be too casual and 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 so there are things I pop off I say to people at the wrong place wrong time and it may not come across right to staff and team members and you know leadership and professionalism comes into question and I'm in a leadership role but I'm probably the most immature forty year old you ever meet. But, you know. Are you only 40? I'll be 41 this year. So, you know, you know I'm older than you. So, yeah. I have to remind you of that all the time. I
0: didn't know by how much, though. So that's interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, How did you get into this work anyways? Um, I I always kind of knew I wanted to do it. You know, um, what is it? You know, I went to, when I went to high school, um, I I always wanted to major in psychology. Um, I don't want to get into, like, all kinds of deep, dark, Hidden issues, but why not? Let's
0: talk about those issues, LaShawn.
1: No, we're just not counseling, man. <laughs> but um, and I mean, I had a I had a challenging background, you know. Um, there wasn't there's not too much that a kid can say to me that I haven't been through. Whether it's you know physical abuse, uh, um, you know physical mo- abuse, yeah, molestation, broken homes, domestic violence, a whole bunch of stuff that I seen growing up, and so. And I think I look at the, my makeup as a person. I was never a bully. I was the one who kind of would side with the quote-unquote nerds or whatever. And I would jump on the bully because, you know, I can handle myself. And so I found myself, like, protecting people. You know, I didn't like this. I like I root for the underdog. Like, yeah. Lucas. Like, I watched the movie Lucas. Yeah. And Lucas made me cry, you know. <laughs> I mean, that type of stuff. I mean, so growing up, I always knew that I, I wanted to help people. And now, like, in a position where, you know— I go to college and I major in psychology. The first job that I have is working in child support, you know, and everything just kind of evolved from there. You know, I always wanted to work with people. I always wanted to help people. I never wanted people to be defeated by life. I don't care what you went through.
0: Okay. So let's unpack a little bit of that. So the first thing is, first of all, I didn't know, I didn't realize you'd had such a difficult
1: childhood. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, you know, my mom, my mom. Uh, I guess You're gonna make me Get into it huh Yeah I mean it's up to you But I mean I I can get into it If it's gonna help Somebody out there Whatever uh, Everybody has a tough Background A tough story Everybody has A a difficult past You know um, My mom Left when I was four My biological mother Left when I was four She left Because my dad Was beating her up You know Um, You know He he jumped on her a lot and plus he was cheating on her, you know, and stuff like that. Do you like remember that. any of that? I mean, it's pretty young, Yeah, I have yeah. yeah, seen some of it, you know. Yeah. Um I've seen images I re- I think kids remember trauma, you know. Yeah, I don't absolutely. you know, I remember, you know, when she was when I was 4 years old, I remember her telling me, you know, my my last name used to be Sean Kennedy. I went to Sesame Street uh preschool, you know. Big Bird gave me a diploma. <laughs> but uh, you know, and and um uh, I remember her telling me um that my name is going to be Sean High, not Sean Kennedy. You know, so whatever on the birth certificate they did, they changed it, you know, whatever is whatever. But um, she she was telling me that my biological granddad on her side, her dad died. And hmm. so she went to Alabama to go see him, and she never came back. She left me with my dad and my grandmother because and me, me and my youngest sister, my sister's two years younger than me. She left us with my grandmother because she knew we would have a good shot with my dad and my grandmother even though he had his issues my grandmother was a godly woman you know raised me up in church you know believing in Christ and stuff like that and um uh, so she thought we would have a better shot cuz on her side of the family you know a lot of you know people get drunk you know her mom used to put beer in my bottle to make me go to sleep that's probably why I don't like beer. But but stuff like that. You know, it was it was challenging. And then this, my dad's second wife, she was very physically abusive. She used to, you know, beat on me and my sister a lot. She'd dig her nails in her skin and peel skin off. And, you know, my dad would come home for work, like, you know, what happened to my kids and you know, they were they playing on the hill, they scratch themselves up playing outside and um, you know, some some sexual things happen with uh, some older people in my family, you know, older cousins and stuff like that. So I was wet in the bed a lot, and I didn't know why I was wet in the bed. But I was wet in the bed. Well, every time I went to bed, she just beat the crap out of me. Instead of kind of getting an idea, understanding. So one time I went to bed at my grandma's house, and um, and uh, grandma was like, you know, um, uh, you know, I got up, pulling, you know, taking the sheets off, trying to hide them, and she's like, baby, what's wrong? It's only pee. We can clean that up. I said. I said, I thought you was going to beat me. She said, is that what happens to you every time you go up to bed? I said, yes, ma'am. Um, no. My step, my, my stepmother at the time, Tanya, you know, I said, yes, yeah, she beats me every time. And so um, my grandmother told my dad, and yeah, that was the end of that marriage. I mean, my dad, <laughs> he snatched her up pretty bad, but yeah, that was the end of that marriage. And then, you know, of course, with my current mother, you know, um, that my dad married, you know, she she took us on pretty young and stuff like that, too. And, you know, she's a nice, nice lady from Brooklyn, but I don't think she was ready to, in a sense, be a mom like that. You know, um, you know she loved my dad, but it was an adjustment, have, you know, raising another man's, you know, another woman's kids. And, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, she referred to me as the other one. You know, her and my step-grandmother, they referred to me as the other one, wouldn't refer to me as a son. Uh, It was a lot of emotional type abuse, a lot of things that were said that, you know, shouldn't be said to a kid. But one thing that kind of just motivated me or just set me on the course was she, you know, had my younger brother. He's 31. And she said to me, um, you know, I guess she had felt some type of way about an essay he wrote. I didn't know anything about it. And um, she said that, you know, my dad. My dad, was he worked a lot of jobs. He he worked in Queens, and, and so he comes back from Queens, and I didn't know. It. it was like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. He's outside raking the yard. Usually, you know, he'll come in and either wake me up or whatever. He didn't this time. And so she comes in the room, you know, on a Saturday yelling at me, you know, and, you know, t- going in on me like that. And she says to me, I don't know why your brother looks up to you when he has nothing to look up to. And... It, it sparked something in me from that point on. One, I will always spend time and read to my little brother. I loved him dearly, love love him dearly. Um, I spent, you know, nobody in the neighborhood could, you know, pick with my little brother. Nobody can make fun of him. You know, he, I took him places with me. I spent a lot of time with him. I read to him every night. And so, you know, we, I had this great relationship with my little brother. And so maybe that's why he wrote me as his favorite person. And so what happened was um, when she said that, one, I didn't know that he felt that way. But two, I I said I would never let anybody's words be right about me. In other words, if somebody says I'm a fail, I'm gonna say I'm a succeed. If somebody say I'm ugly, I'm gonna say I look good. If somebody say I'm dumb, I'm gonna say I'm smart. I started telling myself the opposite of what it was I was hearing because all I heard was I wasn't worth. I'm gonna say what I was was said to me from people who supposedly love me that you no, know, you know, I wasn't worth shit. You know, that, you know, um, I'm a dumbass and my common sense wasn't worth a quarter and all that other stuff. And so there was a lot of stuff that was said. And so I don't know if I was allowed to say that, but I'm just going very real with this, you know. So, yeah, when you talk about me in this field and how I got in this field, you know, a lot of what sparked me in this field is the stuff that I've been through as a kid. And feeling like if I can empower other kids who have similar backgrounds. If I can empower other people who have similar backgrounds, then maybe, you know, you know, they'll know, you know, from, from what I went through, they'll be able to you know, understand that they can succeed and overcome that stuff too. Your your past doesn't have to define you. I don't have to beat my wife because my dad did. You know, I don't have to cheat on my wife because my dad did. There are things that I saw that my kids will never experience. There are things that I dealt with that my kids will never experience. And so that's what I live from. So yeah yeah you have some of it you okay yeah I'm good yeah I'm good <laughs> I'm good, yeah I mean, that's a lot to disclose, right no, if it's gonna help somebody i don't I don't mind I'm an open book, I mean, I don't have a lot to I don't have anything to hide, um,
0: but like I've known you a long time, I don't know any of that
1: It was never a setting for that to really come out, like that. <laughs> like yeah, I mean,
0: we don't really go it, for beers,
1: yeah, yeah, I know. This water is good, though. You like that? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so. But that's, yeah, that's some of the story.
0: Your dad's still around?
1: Yeah, he's still. He's um he's in Ohio. He's a, a pastor. Um, I think the thing that kind of helped me get past what he did was I did see him change. You know, I think that was a blessing. You know, like, why would your mom leave you with your dad? And he, I think the blessing of it was I saw him change. I saw him grow as a person. I, I remember... um. My grandmother asking me, "Did I ever remember saying that I was going to kill him when I got older?" And I said, "Yeah, I remember, because I was like three or four when I said it." And she, because I said, I, "I said I was tired of him always jumping on my mama." Uh, but over years, over the years, I heard him, ch- and he never denied what he did was wrong. He never said, you know, he never blamed my mom for her leaving or anything. He never spoke bad about her or anything about that. I saw, and I'm saying that my dad is perfect now. He got you know some flaws now. But I saw him evolve. I saw him change as a man. I think if I would have never saw that, then I probably would have made good on that because it, you know, it was it was painful to, to know that. And I think it's an innate thing in any child, especially a male child, to want to protect their mom. But I couldn't protect my mom from him. I was too little. So I figured by the time I was big enough, I was going to do something about it. But by the time I was big enough, things, circumstances, and things that change, so.
0: So your dad is a, to the best of what you've told me, so just in, based on what you've told me, he's a former domestic violence perpetrator. Yeah. Who's now a pastor. Yeah. And he's on wife number... Three. So he's still with the last woman you were talking
1: about. Yeah, and they've been married for 32 years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's your relationship like with her now?
1: It's, it, from the (laughs) time... Uh, you asked some good questions you gonna you're gonna dig it all out this is good I mean, stuff
0: you didn't have to go down this route man this is all you
1: <laughs> you're right I didn't I don't care but um I mean I care but I don't care if that makes sense it does okay oh uh, it was interesting because for you know for years I didn't have a relationship with her like that so I'm actually going to see a foster family in Ohio <laughs> to you know see some kids I work you know I have a, work with kids who were abused and um she called me on my work cell phone and, you know, dad moved, dad moved from New York to Ohio um, recently, you know, during that time when I was 32. And she asked me, why don't, you know, I come by the house and why don't we have the relationship that we should have? And I said, I'm 32 now you care to ask me, you know, I said, how about this? I don't want to get into all the things that I heard in the house. And, all those negative things that were said, how about we just start fresh? So since the time we was 32, that I was 32 to 40, we've had a good relationship where we talk often. She checks in on the kids and and stuff like that. And I think me and her talk more than my dad. So I think the relationship between me and her has evolved and it's better. But yeah, for years, man, I mean, are you still
0: carrying around any of those scars? Any of that baggage from before?
1: Probably there's residue. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I feel like the real testament of whether I'm forgiven or not is if there's a need I'm there if she has a problem, I listen, I try to give counsel. I feel like because there's a lot of underlying issues in my family. I feel like I've become the third parent or the voice of reason in the house for everybody, you know, and I think a lot of that is because of the struggle and I you know and maybe how you know my faith and everything that kicked in. Things that happen in my life, you know, maybe because I'm out of this situation, it's allowed me to see a different perspective of my family in the situation. So every time that something's going on, I'm the one that everybody calls. And, you know, so I have to deal with that. And but, yeah, I'm not going to try to act like there may not be residue, but. For the most part, I don't harbor ill feelings towards my stepmother or my step-grandmother or my dad like that. You know, I try not to.
0: Have you seen your mom since? Your biological mom?
1: I seen her one time. We went we visited her uh, from New York when I was 12. And then I didn't see her again till I was 28. And I haven't seen her since. You talk to her at all? <sighs> not often.
0: Facebook friends? Anything like that?
1: No, well, she has a daughter. Uh, my sister, Ebony, that she had by another gentleman. Um me and her talk a lot uh i think one thing that kind of soured me on talking to my mother is it seemed like every time i talk to her there's a lot of bad news and i feel like sometimes people just suck energy out of you and i love her to death she's my mom she had me but she sucks energy you know
0: sucking energy i usually associate with people who bring a lot of trying to put This delicately, a lot of drama to the table.
1: I'm, I, I grew up in New York, man. Yeah, you don't have to be really delicate not. with me. Yeah. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of the highest compliments you ever paid me and that other people pay me is that I don't seem like I'm from Orange County, California.
1: Yeah, you're not easily touched in that way. No, yeah, really not. Kind of shoot straight. Yeah, so
0: but people who usually people that usually I feel like suck the energy out of me are people who bring a lot of drama to the table, not necessarily bad news. It's two different things, right?
1: And but that's that honestly that's my mom drama drama yeah. yeah and it's like one of those things where if you're tired of the situation why don't you leave it I mean you're a grown woman but some people just get stuck in ruts and stuff <laughs> like that and I think now that I'm 40 there's some culpability as far as the lack of contact on my side you know I, I could go see I just I don't know man just mm. I, I love her where she live now she lives in Alabama. Yeah. My mom is, my mom, a little five-foot lady. She, Alabama lady.
0: You know what's funny As you said, you were talking about how if you're not happy with your situation, you're a grown woman, you should just do something about it. Yeah. Would you give that same exact advice to a client?
1: I wouldn't put it that way. Right. I, and I didn't put it that way to my mom. Okay. <laughs> okay I, would, I mean, I, but I'm the way you. We're being we're, very yeah, candid. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. But yeah. it's still the
0: way we think about it, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, because ultimately it's your choice, um, and maybe there's things from my past that I handle things in a certain way. Sure. Because I'm like, if you don't like something enough, if you're tired of it, like, okay, I'm 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 chubby, uh, fat, whatever you want to call it.
0: I think you're you're a well built gentleman.
1: I'm working on it, but what I'm saying is, I was 320 pounds. High blood pressure, yeah, and all that other stuff jumping off. Eventually, there has to come a time if you are. I mean, why sit and complain about it? If you're tired of it, find a way to do something about it. And I guess that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of complaining going on about. Is stuff. that a fair? Is that a fair comparison? I mean, it may be apples and oranges, but it's an analogy. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be apples and oranges. Yeah, I always think that one of the things I always try to. But you are asking great questions because I am in this field, and you know you would think that would not be the mindset of logic of somebody in this field. No,
0: I have to look, man. I have to run from that all the time. I have mm-hmm. to run from that immediate like snap reaction of and and so for domestic, especially violence – especially in
1: your for, well, that's f- yeah, right. So domestic yes. violence
0: is the whole why doesn't she just leave, right? That's that's you would think, but you learn very quickly like all of the reasons people don't, yeah, right. All the reasons, and I say why doesn't she leave, but the truth is, is it happens to men yeah happens to women we take both so it's you know it is what it is but that that that's the perennial question that people have Well, why don't if someone's beating you why don't you just go there's so many factors into that decision it takes the average it takes a person an average of seven attempts at leaving just to actually leave somebody in domestic violence because there's a million things there's there's barriers there's children there's love there's thinking someone's going to get over it there's um, there's, uh, you know, domestic violence is about control and power, power and control. So if Absolutely. someone has power and control over you, can't just get up and go because, you know, maybe they have the keys to the car, maybe they have your bank account, maybe they have everything they need to keep you there, you know? right? So it's never that easy, but, it, but the, but the, the, kind of the, the, the broader thing to think about too is for all of our work, right? So mm. working in poverty, homelessness, whatever. Yeah. There's it, it's hard sometimes not to be cynical and it's hard sometimes yeah. not to look at what clients choose to do and go, hey, dipshit. Why would you choose to do that?
1: Exactly. And there, well, I will say there's been some times when I've had to be very candid with clients. Yeah. From a standpoint, of when they get into the blame game, you yeah, know, right, especially right. with, you know, I'm very protective of my case managers and I refuse to let a client that I know that my case managers have served you know, vehemently hard, you know, given they're all in this case. I refuse to let them pass the buck on to my case manager. You'll
0: never steamroll my staff. Oh, no. It's a partnership. So you can't do that. Exactly. And
1: so I I have to remind somebody that my case manager is not the one who put the drugs in your system. Yeah. Or not the one who decided not to pay the rent or whatever it was, you know, you can't. And so I I think, I I guess when it comes to, you know, why somebody's in a situation, if you're tired of it, change. At the same time, at the same it's, time, it, that's, that's a good question. I'm about to go back and really reassess myself. Yeah, you have is to check. You have yeah, to check yourself yeah, on it
0: sometimes. Make sure you're not applying what your standards are and yeah. what your life is like to somebody else. And exactly, that's, that's the really hard part to do, right? It's that yeah. whole self
1: awareness, introspect. Like, yeah. Right.
0: Like, look, I'm a I'm a six foot three white guy from Orange County. You're a five foot six, five
1: Come on, man. Oh, Disrespecting me. <laughs> African American okay, I'm five ten, man, for people that's out there. Good right. gracious. African
0: American man <laughs> from Long Island, New York. Dude right? gave me like Muggsy type. Uh, yeah, no, no Muggsy big was, big was big like man. five four or five five. Yeah, um, still, man. It's disrespectful, man. No. Call me five six. I always liked Muggsy. I saw him play once. It was awesome. Yeah, he it was awesome. Yeah, he's a, he,
1: he's a bowler, man.
0: No, he was throwing down it was a dunk contest he I saw dunk a, oh
1: yeah you told about spud web right? oh no no yeah I'm talking about spud web sorry okay. my bad my, we all look alike uh, there we go oh, no, There no go. shut
0: your <laughs> man that's just me forgetting look Muggsy <laughs> Bogues number one point guard Charlotte Hornets okay I'm not I I, I know I had to give you I, hey I couldn't pass that one up man, man I was at a show late last night my ears are still oh, ringing, all that, right? man. here's my excuses like a client cry right? me yeah, a yeah, river yeah, right <laughs> like a client you're like, not excuses. getting away with that with me but but it's that whole that whole thing we really struggle with and i think not well some of us don't i mean honestly like some people still do i mean okay a lot (laughs) of people general people in our field should not struggle with the idea of applying our cell our experiences to other people that should not be something people in our field struggle with but they do because i think it's a natural tendency to some point yeah by and large as a country, I guess, of 300 million plus people, we do that way too often. Like, yeah, we, we do. do way too much of like taking our experience with something or our fears of something and applying that across the board and just saying that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's completely just, that's, it's not fair. It's not true. It's, it's, it's a lot of things, you know, it's, yeah. that just don't, it just runs afoul of, of, um, you know, I mean that's that's discrimination in a lot of respects. You know,
1: yeah, man, yeah, you're getting some dicey stuff with that because I mean that's kind of well. It's I like, guess where we are socially as a country right now, anyway. Right,
0: like I went to a luncheon, right, and then mm-hmm. and and and, this, and every person. That, so the average age there was undoubtedly over sixty-five. Every right. every person there was a senior citizen. Every person there was a white male, yeah. and i (laughs) yeah i wonder where this is going yeah you know me man uh so the question arose hey who you guys gonna vote for Uh. so i myself am feeling the burn in 2016 so i got up and i said yeah i'll be the one person in the room that says you know yeah i'm voting for bernie sanders right and i said why and i said well there's a, a bunch of issues i'll just pull a couple of them up right so one of the ones one of the the um One of the things I'm a um, you know, me one of the big things for me is, um, you know, income inequality is a huge deal for me, social inequality is a huge deal for me. So, that's racism and all kinds of discrimination. Like, for me, that's those are those are big, big, huge core issues, right?
1: Yeah, you don't play that jump, I don't. And,
0: and, um, we got to talking about voter, um, uh, uh, voter ID laws and we got to talking about voter suppression and stuff like that. And I had all these rich, white, guys over the age of 65 tell me that's bullshit and it doesn't happen and it doesn't exist and i and i looked at them and 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 i i kind of lost my breath for a second because i realized why the fuck would i think that they would with this and why did i need to pick this venue to talk about it's pointless i mean i'm not going to change anyone's mind in that room but then i said things like well, wait a second just because your experience is that you can get in your car and you can drive to your voting booth at the library in your nice neighborhood and get out of your car and walk up and vote. Does not mean it's the same experience for the African-American family that lives near Temple University in Philadelphia in a state that has this most stringent and most difficult voter ID laws. Mm -hmm. And maybe they come from a low income community and maybe this essentially this campaign has targeted those kinds of people to keep them from voting. And here's kind of evidence from it. By the way, we have on record politicians saying that this kind of stuff will help their um, their chances of getting their party elected and for all intents and purposes that. Primarily as Republicans, like there's overwhelming evidence that this is real, but you're just denying it because you cannot live somebody else. You don't even attempt to have <laughs> empathy for someone else's experiences, like not even an, not even like like not even a, an effort, a slight effort, you know. And I mean, to me, that's that's atrocious.
1: Oh, wow, wow, you. I, I guess we, we, we transitioned into a black man in Orange County. Oh, yeah, we can do that. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I like uh, black man in America in general. I mean, and I guess I'm going to be very general with this. I think, um, man. Okay, I've been watching this series on TV um, recently called Underground. And, you know, not that I need to see anything on slavery to remind me, you know, what it was and all that, you know. But I guess... What what you deal with or what you see, not from your standpoint, but um, you know, from I guess those gen that, that that group of gentlemen, is how can I say it? It's like they automatically they I mean they don't they didn't see the, the the wrong and the atrocity of it, and they looked at it as a business, a means to make money, a means to an end. They looked at slavery as a corporation. Wow. Yeah. Uh and so understanding that and how maybe it was passed down, that mindset just like okay, okay, you got a lot of um I have a lot of African American or black friends. I don't know what we're going by these. Whatever days. you want, man. Yeah. No, I am saying I don't know. I don't know. I I know we're not going by Negro or I that, know, that. I know, I know, I know one
0: <laughs> thing, I should not be the one to tell you.
1: Okay. I don't even know. Okay. But I'm going to say either. I don't know. And I don't know how many black listeners you got out there, but whether we go by black or African American, I think the thing that always got me about is we talk about the impact that slavery had on us as, 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 as a black community, as black people. And I try to remind a lot of my black friends, like none of us really felt the whip. None of us felt the lash or anything like that. But at the same time, if there is impact of a mindset, that has been do- adopted over four hundred years ago for the black community. I would have to assume that that's also reciprocal on the on the white community from a standpoint. If you have a mindset or an elite, are not being able to see the other side of the coin that that may be true from think, a white perspective.
0: I think you have to be really, really out of touch with reality to not look around and see the effects slavery have had in this country that are still we still have institutional racism in a major way.
1: Absolutely. But now let me ask you because this is this is what get me I see the impact of slavery. Don't get me wrong. But I think where we go wrong as black people is we call it slavery today. It's discrimination. I think there's a difference between discrimination and slavery. The slaves, they weren't getting paid for nothing. Their their children were being auctioned off. You know, the wives or the masters were sleeping with the wives. All that you know, the the men were being castrated. All that was happening, with the exception of maybe a few lawbreakers here, a few murders here. That's not happening. Like I have two beautiful daughters. They're still with me. I have a wife who has no no white man has came to me and said to me, you know, I get to take your wife and you know you know and I not be able to do anything about it. And so yeah, I, I get that there's residue. Obviously, we still have a serious race issue in the country. I mean, we were talking earlier about you yeah, you carrying around residue from your past. And we were talking right. about
0: trauma and things like that. I Absolutely. Mean, look, the trauma of moving millions and millions of people away from their homes, stealing them, and then treating them like commodities. Yeah. Um, bartering for them, selling them, forcing them into labor, killing them, raping them, destroying their lives, all of those things. The idea that that wouldn't still
1: have an effect. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't.
0: I mean, you can draw direct lines between a lot of the things that people want the that a lot of the things that people claim you should be able to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get over. Right. You can draw a lot of direct lines for why people are in those situations based on our insanely History. violent <laughs> enslaving past. I mean, yeah. like it, it's not even debatable, you know. It, right. But yet there's still this culture of, we'll just get over it and move on. Right. It was 200 years ago.
1: And As
0: though it's not an evolution of of sorts of how people got to this point. But
1: I would never say just get over and move on. I guess what I'm trying to do is separate the two. How can you? No, hold on. Listen, you gotta. I look at it like this. Everybody, you know, you may look at this as half full or half empty. I look at it as it's a way to quench your thirst from a black perspective. I see. Movies or shows like Roots, and I see how we were treated. I see like this series, Underground, that's on TV now. Okay. And I look at what we have today, and I get it's not perfect. It's far from perfect. The system, it, it works against us in, in some way, a lot of ways still. But when I look at what it used to be like, sure, compared to where it is today, we can't deny that there's some progress. Heck, I mean, for lack of a better term, we do have a black president. You yeah, know, we no, are no able doubt. to vote. I, like I said, I don't have to. Send, my daughters are not being sold off you, for auction for you, stock. But do, you,
0: but do you understand how low of a bar that is? Like we've made progress because your daughters aren't being sold.
1: No, I get that.
0: We have we've made progress because you can vote.
1: And, and you bring like, up I don't a good deny, point. Like
0: hold on, I don't deny. I don't deny that that's that's been historical progress. Right. Right but and and i'm 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 glad i'm obviously glad we're not buying and selling you LaShawn. I'm Thank r- you. Really, I appreciate
1: that. Yeah, I'm glad you're not with me right now cuz i love you and you're like one of my best friends <laughs> right. and i really, you
0: know, i'm i'm really grateful that that's the situation that yeah. you know we we were able to abolish slavery at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. The progress has been incremental and it's been slow. Yes, it has and been. And we have an entire cadre of people that would be um that are you know uh, of of you know white americans or whatever that still treat um anyone who's not doesn't look like them and not just not just blacks but i'm talking about you know everyone
1: every yeah every minority as though
0: they're you know second class citizens and 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 and, and it's it and it's this whole idea that you know (laughs) like white culture has to be passed down throughout the generations of America otherwise it's not America which is such absolute utter nonsense yeah I mean it's just it's insane to me so you know obviously it's like anyone in their right mind looks at this situation and goes well racism bad equality good blah 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 but people's actions don't always actually dictate that people's observations about what they think about that kind of thing or how they see a lot of people will look at equality and go well he has every opportunity that i have therefore it's equality but they don't realize all the nuances that are there with with the other person right Uh, absolutely It's, it's again it's applying their privileged experience white male privileged experience right to their situation, to right. say, "Well, I did it, so why can't you?" We have freedom in this country, and we're allowed to do those things. That's institutionalized racism, right? And we—that is the part. I and I truthfully think it's probably easier to break shackles than it is to break that, right? Frankly,
1: and I agree with that. I agree with everything that you said. But if I operate as a, as a black man, if I operate from the standpoint of I'm always seeing the negative, then I never can progress if i'm always looking back I oh i I, I don't disagree with you yeah, yeah, yeah. i understand that i i got to i got to work harder to get forward i i i i felt that i felt i always feel like i'm kind of stand out like a, I, I stick out everywhere i go i stand out like a sword. unless i go to la or compton or out in a, um Inland Empire. I totally get it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, because there's a lot of black people out that way. But we're talking about the whole country. Yeah. Well, we talk. Okay, even from a co- I've always been a minority. I've always been out there.
0: The fact that you have to go somewhere to feel more comfortable is my entire point.
1: And I get that. But if I don't look at the little things, the small steps that's made, then I'm in a position where I'm going to start throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. And I can't do that. Because, like I said, I have a good friend in you. Yeah. And I have... I run into a listen. I run into a lot of nice, and I I, I guess maybe I should look at it more um, macro. But I'm looking at in my own circle, my own world. I can't I can't look at it from the standpoint of every time I notice an inequity and any if I notice that then it's not, I'm not going to be able to function here effectively, yeah. and I'm not going to be able to sustain and maintain the relationships that are beneficial. I, I agree.
0: To be. I agree with you. It's it's exhausting. And I'm talking to you as a white male. Yeah, I know. it's exhaust. You look very
1: white. Thank you. <laughs>
0: I don't know why I'm saying thank you. It's not like I slayed a dragon <laughs> in a previous life to like earn this right. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 privilege that was bestowed upon me for nothing. I had anything to do with. I was just born right. one day, and that's all there was to it, right? And it's but like, it's a blessing. I I don't care. It's like it's it's like the last thing I think about. Or I don't. No, that's not true. I do think about it because I think about my responsibility with it, right? Mm-hmm. But I I don't. I think it's the most. I think it's 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 a crime that we even worry about things like that or have to worry about things like that, right? So that's my whole point with you earlier saying you need to go somewhere else to like feel familiar or look familiar or whatever. It's like that's the fact that that's even an issue. Still, it drives me insane. But what I was gonna say is, um, the 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 it is it is tiring and exhausting to constantly have in the back of your mind issues of race, even if you're even if you're holding on to them for the right reasons, right? So if you're constantly working towards um, you know, abolishing and 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 working towards more equitable, you know, fairness and everything else, and trying to you know dismantle institutionalized racism. If you're constantly thinking about everything you do in those in that context, whether no matter what color you are, that is exhausting. And it, you're right; it will make it more difficult for you to do things you have to get done for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I guess.
0: I feel like I'm telling you about the experience, and that's not yeah. what I want to be doing. But I'm it's telling you, like, well, no, I think. Well, I'm hoping this sounds conversational between two people that care about this from different perspectives. You know,
1: I mean, I mean, but you bring you bring a, a very good perspective. I mean, I never looked at it from a standpoint of, yeah, I just looked at it. It was pro. It's progress. I guess what I'm saying is, I'm talking about. I have a lot of black friends who say this is slavery, and to me. That's disrespectful to the ancestors that we had that went through slavery. And I know that you may look at it from a, a, a you know a white guy standpoint who hates and loathes and detests what minorities, I'm going to say minorities as a whole, have been through in this country. You may look at it as that should be just simple human rights or simple human liberties. I get that. But it's not. That's yeah. not the case. And because it's not the case... I got to look at it from a standpoint of yeah, it's not perfect and we're not where we should be as a country as a nation. That's the important acknowledgement. Yeah. Right? It's <laughs> it's not being it's
0: not being and I don't I don't mean to cut you off but you just yeah. made the best point of all, I think. And and it's that you cannot be satisfied with it and you right. have to acknowledge it's not the best place to be. If you at least do that. Yeah. Hopefully, you're still working towards something else. You know?
1: Absolutely, but at the same time, if I adopt the mentality of some of some some of the, the 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 friends I grew up with, some of some of the brothers, I guess, from a standpoint, then I start to alienate people like yourself and people who didn't do anything to me, or or actually on my side, there was a lot of white people that were incremental in the movement that helped. You know, that marched with Martin Luther King that that rode the buses that 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 also got killed and martyred for the movement. Yeah, they don't get highlighted, but they were involved. They were engaged. And so do we alienate them? Listen, ultimately, when it comes down to it, I get race and everything, we're all human beings. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. And so I treat people, especially people who treat me like a human. I treat them like a human. Right. And so I know we tease and joke about race because it is a reality. And I, I look forward and I I engage every job I've had. I engage in racial talk all the time because I think it's a good opportunity to educate. I ask questions. Yeah. I ask my Asian brothers and sisters questions. I ask my Hispanic Latino brothers and sisters It's about sisters. where the
0: place it comes from, yeah, right? It's exactly. about what are you, where, where where are yeah. those questions? Are they coming from a, an authentic place of interest from your heart to understand other cultures exactly. and things? Then, but, if we then, nev- you
1: know. but if we never broach the question, then a lot of ignorance just goes hidden. And and I know what happens at my jobs a lot of times is people actually relax and we have, you know, real good talks about race and get understanding about certain things. Like, not all black people eat watermelon. I'm one of them. I don't, I cannot stand watermelon. You probably like watermelon.
0: It's okay.
1: Yeah. To me, it's kind of whack, you know, but I
0: hate <laughs> spitting out seeds. That's what I don't like.
1: I mean, eat the seeds, weird. man. Oh, like, God, you eat a orange. Weird.
0: Do you eat an orange?
1: Yeah, of course you deceit yeah I don't know
0: it's weird it's different come on man Seeds. idiosyncrasies <laughs> with all those, those weird fish <laughs> okay. shit there is one more race question one more race issue we, you and I have to address though and I think we should do it now okay why is my favorite hip hop group public enemy and yours is third base it, shouldn't it like you know should it be different than that never said my favorite hip hop group is
1: not third base but I don't know I, man I will say first I get, time I met you no nah, word is born I give him respect I thought uh, of third base when I thought of you because yeah. you talk hip hop yeah <laughs> that was funny <laughs> and that's very funny you talk about a contrast cuz I mean, had public yeah. enemies like really pro pro black but i mean you know how i got
0: you know how i got it oh sorry go ahead
1: go i mean to me yeah. um hip hop i like i like fun like when it comes to hip hop you like yeah. fun
0: in general you're a goofball like you yeah, said yeah a
1: big yeah. goofball and so i i'm a big public enemy fan but i like the fun side of hip hop you know i don't care to be always socially conscious if that makes sense yeah yes yeah yeah so <laughs> Yeah, so
0: I got my first Public Enemy tape. I was in seventh grade. I stole Fear of a Black Planet from Music uh, Plus. I stole it. I put it in a fanny that pack was a and good, walked if out. If you're of
1: gonna it. steal one, that's a good one, to right? Steal.
0: Well, I felt like I was taking down the the, the, the corporate <laughs> white man by stealing a Public Enemy tape <laughs> at know, Music Plus.
1: You heard Public
0: Enemy, actually? Uh, yeah, I know I did. Now in retrospect, <laughs> you're Chuck, keeping a brother down, Chuck, man. Chuck D missed out on a Chuck dollar. Chuck D Long Island product yeah. right well, there. Flavor Fred
1: Roosevelt. Terminator X speaks with his hands. It's a lot
0: harder when his wallet's lighter. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're keeping the brothers down. Hey, I, I bought my public enemy yeah. stuff.
0: I had this whole, this whole like fascination with that East Coast hip hop vibe at the time. I mean, I played basketball, I was super into basketball. Right. I, I know the difference between Spud Webb and Muggsy Bogues, by the way. I hope so. Man, Spud Webb, Atlanta Hawks, come on now. 5'4, you know.
1: He was 5'7, actually. Spud? Yeah, no. it was 5'7. I can
0: look it up. I got the computer right here. We
1: go ahead, man. Right go ahead and up. be wrong, as usual. Okay. If right, I, if right, you know, right. if I speak you know, definitively about
0: something, you know you're wrong. You're the guest. So I'm going to let you get away with this one.
1: You go ahead and look it up. That's nah, cool. You only have to let me get
0: I'm telling you. But I just remember that day we were talking about, like, the day we met at Arbor, we were talking about the Yankees and New York. And, like, I yeah. had this big fascination with, like, New York and, like, you know, East Coast culture and stuff like that. And we were talking about all the big cities that I like and all that. And, we got into talking about hip-hop and it was like i remember you were like why you're all into like you know public enemy and fight the power and like wu-tang and yeah man you know and then it like you know now it's like dead prez and like all this kind of like really like socially conscious hip-hop stuff yeah. and you're like man i'm just down with like third base <laughs> pop goes a weasel and i'm like what? i like i
1: like the gas phase uh, i like goofy <laughs> stuff man i uh-uh. <laughs> I, listen, listen, I, and maybe, maybe because I, I overcompensate, maybe I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to be a kid like that, you know, rough childhood. You, you kind of have to grow up a little faster than you supposed to or wanted to. That might be true, yeah. So, I mean, like now, I mean, yeah, I am a father, you know, for years, but I like to have fun, man. I mean, life is too short; it's too short to be uptight. I mean, I, I acknowledge there are ills and issues out there. But, man, if I can laugh as much as possible make people around me laugh or make people relax, you know, I mean, to me, that's just a better environment to be around.
0: Your wife and kids are good running partners for you for that because yeah. maybe maybe your kids just resemble the two of you. But yeah, you, do. you and your wife are such awesome partners for that. the whole, like, goofiness and, like, having yeah. fun with life and smiling yeah, more than frowning and everything else. And if
1: you, know? you think that my story or what you heard my background, like, my wife got— yeah. Her stuff is tough. Okay. Like, Wow.
0: I love your wife. She's awesome. She's an awesome woman. She is, man. I was so happy to see her start working at another partner agency when I yeah. walked in. I'm like, she works. At- this is amazing. Yeah, like, man. She's, yeah. She's just, like I said, love her. Ray of sunshine all the time. And I'm she, she so loves
1: happy. the people and the, and the yeah. families yeah, she's love great. her. She, and your kids yeah. are great, too. And they're Appreciate all a reflection
0: that. of you guys. So you know.
1: Appreciate that. Yeah, How's your faith it. roll into all that, LaShawn? Let's talk about your faith. Uh, what do you want to know about it? Well, now, I mean, okay, why you let me always trying be real. Why you always trying to convert me? Why, you always, do, why are you always doing that? Okay, I mean, there's some things I believe about my faith that, you know, I feel like this. Okay, if you want to <laughs> uh, be, uh, be real about no, converting you and stuff me like real. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean there, I feel like this. If what I believe is correct, if what I believe is right, then there are a lot of people that I've come across, a lot of nice people that I've come across, a lot of people that, across, of people that I love dearly. You know, and that's what really motivates me to even in it. That are in for a rude awakening when we all die. You know that, that if that's the case, but I, I don't want anybody to experience that. And so because of that, yeah, I'm very you know vocal about my faith. I'm very vocal about what I believe. Uh, I can't deny, you know, things that I've um, been delivered from. Can't deny things that I've experienced in my faith. And so I, I get. Different ideologies. I get this, but there are some things that i say, seen. I know I'm not cuckoo. You know, I, I got issues, but I know I'm not cuckoo that I can't deny sitting here act like the junk don't exist. So, so I'm so not. going to make me get real deep no, on that. Actually, we're going to go
0: there. We only got like 10 minutes left, yeah, so we're not yeah. going to get too crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah. so, what we're not going to do is debate whether or not God exists. So you don't. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that would be,
0: that would be, we're, we're, you and I are way past that point. I think in our conversations around this. I will
1: hope so. I will hope so. What
0: I'm more interested in is given your story, right? Given what you told me earlier, which was the first time I'd ever heard any of that. And I've known you for seven or eight years now. Yeah. It's been some time. How, how has that, how has your story, your evolution as a man, right? Going from that troubled past all these stepmoms, your bio mom, all this stuff you've been through, how has, where's faith's role in your evolution as a person, like, to get to the point where you are today, which, I mean, frankly, like I said, you're a great dad. Appreciate that. You work very hard at a job that's extremely hard, I know, because I do it too. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we work, we work with very vulnerable populations yeah. and in difficult situations, and we see a lot of shitty stuff. How does your faith, like inspire or uh, inspires the wrong word. Cause inspire is like implicit that like, Oh, all faith is inspirational or whatever. But I think yeah. there's like something more to like your core and how you've changed as a person that has to do with that.
1: I think, um, I Unless think I'm fi- wrong. what well, is inspirational. Yeah. Um, but I think that my faith, it allowed me to see the good, the good of everything. Um, I don't regret Anything that I've been through as a child growing up, you know, it helped make me as a person. And it, I think it helps me be more empathic, you know, from a standpoint of understanding how I felt as a child or how I feel as a human being about certain matters that I, things that I suffered and not being so quick to judge and not being so quick to 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 put people down who are in tough situations, but to help in a sense, inspire them. You know, I get where you're at, but this is where you can go. What do you want to do? What do you want to see happen? What do you want to make happen? You have the ability to do it. And, you know, it's something that's part of my faith because I feel like God don't make mistakes. God don't make... You know, well, yeah, I just, I, just what I feel. Okay, you know, you're asking? Okay. Yeah, okay. you're right. I feel like you don't make mistakes, and everything that I've been through has helped shape me into the person that I am today to help other people. And people be like, "Well, I think that's kind of foolish for you to think that you getting abused and you going through this." And that. yeah, you can think that, but for some reason, it allows me to relate and connect to people who have been through similar backgrounds and. Help me to see the good of it. You know, even if we're talking about race and dealing with people, being able to move on, being able to forgive, being able to let things go, being able to handle things, being able to handle crisis, to know that, yeah, there's a storm over my head today, but the storm always passed. I just got to keep my peace and stand still. And so that's principles that I live by. You know, um, I live from a standpoint of love. Everything I do. Everything I try to do is from a standpoint of love. That's why I don't care about disclosing or sharing certain things. If it's going to help somebody else, if it encourages somebody else, if it empowers, that's from a faith standpoint. And I got all mushy and gooey. I get it. But that's
0: core. I actually don't. (laughs) I don't really want to respond. Actually, I kind of just want to leave it at that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think you put it really well for yourself.
1: Thank you. I know why it's important.
0: Yeah. And you and I can go back and forth all day long about the importance of not having that intersection with our work.
1: No, but we can, but um, listen, the interesting part about that, we can, I don't know how much more time we got. We can briefly talk about it. I, I get what you're getting at, but if there's a client and that is an area of consternation for somebody that we're serving and I have an expertise in that area and they ask me a question, I'm going to answer it, not for the sake of trying to convert them, but if it removes an anxiety, that's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to go there and get people all in the name of Jesus. I would love to, but at the same time, and if that opportunity opens, I will take that. But that's off-company time. But I've I've had an opportunity or I've been presented with the opportunity that there are sometimes there are people that are really concerned about that. Now you may as an atheist not feel that way, but there are people that we serve that follow that are involved in that. Mm -hmm. And they have legit questions. And sometimes they have anxiety over that or they're being taken advantage of because they're not being taught. Right. So if I have some information that could encourage or equip or empower them and it better helps our work, I'm going to share that. That's the motive behind it. Ultimately, It glorifies what I believe him anyway, but at the same time, I'm not trying to go there with the mindset of trying to preach every day.
0: Maybe it's come with your, uh, with your age since you're old now. Um, maybe it's just come with
1: respect your elders. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Or maybe it's just come as, um, an evolution of the person you are. Uh, but you have a better answer for that than you ever had before. So what I'm trying to say is your explanation. What was
1: for, what was my explanation in the past? I would love to. Re- what was that?
0: Uh, it was very short. It was um, well, you know, uh, I have to preach the word of God because that's what I do. So if someone needs that that help, that's what I deliver. You're you're contextualizing it. Me? Yep. Yeah, it it, sounds about right. It was you. Yeah. So I think like you know your 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 answer has has evolved thankfully because I think I I took some serious umbrage when we first got to know each other about the use of that um and was concerned when you took my old job um after i left that you would do that more but i had Faith in you that you would be able to control it, so I was. Atheists glad you did. having
1: faith—that is an interesting concept. We must talk about that another because
0: time. you can have faith in human beings much easier than you can have faith in something mystical. So,
1: oh, um, okay.
0: Anyways, so on then that if note, if you
1: see it, do you need to have faith? Oh, okay. Ah, don't get me preaching, brother. Okay. You better leave me alone.
0: I think in order to stay, <laughs> to stay friends and to wrap up this podcast I in s- a timely manner, I have a. You gate. can always edit me I gotta, out. I got to go put a suit on right now and go <laughs> make money for my organization, if you don't mind. So, so I, w- I would like to thank you, though, for being on the show. It
1: was a pleasure, man. I enjoyed it. You have a good time? Yeah, I did. I- and I hope that the people that hear it, you know, I hope they had a good time listening to it.
0: So. I think they will. I yeah, think they will. You're fun. a good guest. So that's going to do it for this month's episode of Three and Two and One. Thank you so much. Um, appreciate everyone who downloads, who uh, subscribes, who rates, who uh, you know, listens and reviews and everything else on iTunes, Stitcher, etc.
1: Y'all holla at my boy, man. Y'all holla at him. He's a good yeah.
0: guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying. I'm just a man trying to get by on the world um so i'm not sure who we're gonna have on next month i got a couple of potential guests um i did want to make a quick announcement uh, i'm starting a second podcast uh it's called are you ready for this david and the dude the dude is my seven-year-old son
1: dude right yeah that's and cool so man.
0: once a month we're gonna to get together and we're gonna talk about what's going on in his life and Much like three and two and one, the idea is that I'm archiving conversations I'm having with people, um, in this case, specifically the person's him. So um, we're going to hopefully have that launched in the next couple of weeks, and um, I will uh, put out uh, some information over all of my social media about it. You can follow me on Instagram at 321podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at DGAfterDark or at 321podcast. Lashawn, if someone wanted to talk to you, how could they get a hold of you? Is there any way? Do you have any social media? You're not really a social media guy, my huh? No, I
1: mean, I mean, it's Facebook, but not, I'm not. That's more your family. Yeah, don't yeah, follow Lashawn yeah, on don't, Facebook. Yeah, it gets messy fast. Yeah, it will. It will. It gets yeah. really messy yeah. fast. I used to yeah. do it, and I don't, I don't even know if we're friends anymore. Yeah. On there. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not because of you I'll put it like that oh okay Yeah, oh, okay. it has nothing to do oh, okay. I had to take that
0: off record oh okay I appreciate that <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that as always thanks to John Holzer as well for uh, editing uh, this month's episode you can find him at John Holzer on uh, various forms of social media until up, next John? time <laughs> until next time LaShawn you got any parting words
1: nah I man you guys stay encouraged live love and laugh stay blessed and see you around alright thanks LaShawn yep getting too stupid. boosted get slaps you got no hacks to re- of the maps for the kids in Kansas. To those who speak Spanish, doing crazy damage so the whack gets banished. Can't manage the truth until your byway. You ain't quick, so you switch off the exit from a highway to rest. But a cook has to take a second look. Ever heard of a chef who can't cook? <laughs> but the minister, Prime, can lay laws. AOP, nice, rip the mic and go for yours. Goes for mine, I goes for mine. Find the prime, will eat the green eggs and swine. Online, like the sunshine, a hoodie with the woody. Get a disc or tape, it's Sam Goody. Why'd you run through the door some left open? Roping off the seams of the crime smoking. I got Putnam, I'm up like a scud, see Blowing up like I'm throwing up a beef patty. Sell outs run about like the measles. No cures, cause Pop goes the weasel.